Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. Well, I'm excited to welcome Jonathan McNeil. He's a district manager for ArborGuard Tree Specialists, a Davy company in Atlanta. And John, today I am so excited because we are going to be talking about unique trees. And I love to pick the brains of arborists uh, about, you know, we always say I'm a broken record, right tree, right place. But, you know, you guys are the tree experts. When you think unique trees... What is the first thing that comes to mind for you planting in Atlanta? Um, you know, one of, obviously, uh, Georgia's state tree is a live oak. Um, and so th- there's there's not a lot of them in Atlanta, but throughout, you know, the um, coastal areas, obviously, you know, down near Savannah, things like that, you know, is their soil uh, composition's a little better, a little sandier. Um, but they do thrive. They just, you need to make sure when you're planting those trees that one, you're creating the right space, um, and making sure your soil composition is in the hardiness zone, uh, conducive to those trees. What do the, uh, live oaks want? What is their, the best spot for them? Uh, in, uh, sandy soils. Right. If you think about Savannah being close to, you know, or, um, say Jekyll Island, um, we've done some work there, um, not planting, but, you know, tree preservation with some of their key trees um, for the for that that island, um, you know, making sure that um, they got adequate root space. Live oaks are pretty slow growing and um, but a very hardy, dense wood. Um, actually, I think on the green log weight chart, it's like one of the heaviest woods per cubic foot. Um, that there is. And how big do those get? Um, they don't get real tall. Uh, they are roughly, you know, anywhere between probably 60 and 80 feet, 80, probably, you know, if you find an 80 foot live oak, you, you know, that's a pretty massive tree. Um, think of the angel oak. I think it's on St. John's Island in South Carolina. Um, you know, it's not, it's probably wider than it is tall. Um, you know, their canopies can go, you know, the same distance, almost 50 to 60 feet. Um, and so they're, uh, quite a unique tree and, you know, a lot of good branching structure. Typically, um, we don't get a lot of requests, you know, for planting live oaks. A lot of times, you know, our planting are either like an elm tree or a maple, um, you know, or a dogwood, things like that. So when you're thinking unique and unusual, I know that has to fit in with the client, you know, for sure. Um, how do elms do down there, you know, as far as Dutch elm disease? Uh, we don't have, uh, they do pretty well. We don't have, we have a few American elms, you know, a lot of the cultivars that um, we plant are the most, mostly that we plant are the, um, the Princeton elm which is fairly resistant to the Dutch Elms disease. Um, you know, so we don't get a lot of, you know, we've had some emerald ash borer with ash trees, you know, we don't, we don't get a lot of requests 
you know, to plant those. Um, most everyone wants something. I want something that's going to flower and it's going to be pretty in the fall when it, you know, the leaves. What are some other cool things that you like to plant that are a little bit off the beaten path? Um, I would say, you know, we do a lot of, we get a lot of requests for ginkgos and red buds. Um, obviously ginkgo is a kind of a rare tree, um, you know, that it's kind of in its own genius, own class, um, not really related to other species as your oaks and maples and elms. Um, and, you know, they have a great fall color. Red buds, obviously, you know, if it's a um, eastern red bud or a forestry, uh, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my I knew I was going to lose that thought. Um, there's two different varieties of the red buds, but, you know, which I also find interesting that it has a purple flower, even though it's called a red bud. <laughs> Is it forest pansy? Is that right? Forest pansy. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I got one. Holy cow. See, all this oh. time of inter interviewing arborists, I actually learned something. So something <laughs> stuck in this trade. I'm glad I could help. <laughs> Is there anything else on your mind when you're thinking about that? You know, I actually, I want to go back to the ginkgos. Uh, Is that a popular tree to plant down there? Because up in Pittsburgh here, we use ginkgos a lot in the city because they're so tough. And then that fall color yeah. is spectacular. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you got to be careful with that. Um, you know, the female species of ginkgos produces a fruit that smells like. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> yeah. Not, um, not pleasant. Not, not a pleasant, uh, especially, uh, you know, and so, you know, actually in Augusta, um, in downtown Augusta, they have like rows and rows of them and they're all female trees. And of course the fruit just makes a mess. And it's awful, awful. You know, and so for the most part, when you're when you're planting ginkgos, they're trying to give you the male, right? You know, they're is that yeah. right? Yeah. When you go to and there's really, you know, I mean, hopefully, you know, from a grower that you're or a nursery that you're getting them from, you know, hopefully they are, you know, giving you the selection, right? But you're not going to know until that tree is probably mature into 15, 20 years before it starts producing fruit. And, you know, there's no guarantee, obviously, with that. Um, hopefully the nursery says, oh, yeah, this is a male tree. But when it's, you know, a two-inch sapling, or not really sapling at two-inch, but, um, you know, you're trusting them that there's, it's going to be, you know, a, a male species, so... I guess you just cross your fingers. <laughs> yeah. And then if it, if it starts producing fruit, you cut it down. <laughs> <laughs> what else should we talk about with related to things that are a little bit unusual in the landscape? Um, you know, we do, um, you know, quite a bit of um, the Chinese fringe trees. Uh, obviously they have a, a really nice fall color, you know, golden rain trees and um, you know, mid to late summer obviously have that golden flower that comes off of them. Um, fringe trees, you know, um, for the most part, hold on to their leaves for a long time um, and have a pretty white flower. Um, you know, when you think of Georgia, obviously you think of pine trees. We don't get a lot of requests to plant pines. Um, uh, and then, um, you know, occasionally like uh, sweet bay magnolias, um, you know, Southern magnolias, uh, you know, great tree, pretty hardy, 
good branching structure, good shade. When I think of the South, I Magnolia has always come to mind for me, but tell me a little bit more about that fringe tree. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure what family or genius it's in. It's a Chinese fringe. It's They don't get very big. Um, you know, we're, when I say very big, you know, 20 feet tall, um, fairly um, wide um, branching structure, um, good branching characteristics, you know, unlike our um, favorite tree, a Bradford pear, um, you know, and that, you know, that used to be a thing for, you know, 25 years ago, everybody planted Bradford pears because they grow fast and they flower. Of course, that flower also stinks to high heaven when it blooms. Um, also does have a nice uh, fall color. Um, but, you know, our, uh, I call Bradford pear 25 years a waste of time because it's going to eventually split apart and then you're going to have to cut it down, which is why most developers and construction companies when they're, you know, unfortunately leveling a lot to plant in condos or whatever, a lot of times they go with maple trees, um, you know, or, uh, you know, a sour wood or something like that, but, um, or ironwoods, um, you know, it's, you know, like you said early on, like putting the right tree in the right place. And a lot of times, you know, the substitute has been maples, but if you are planting red maples, they have a very aggressive root system that are pretty shallow. And so if you got it right next to a sidewalk, you know, you're going to be busting up sidewalks in five years, you know, because of the root system affecting that. So, Well, we sure talk a lot about bread prepares on the show, you know, how awful they are. And it sounds like down there, they're not planting them anymore, which is a good thing. You know, up here, even though we talk about it all the time, I, I see them being planted all the time in these situations where they clear cut the beautiful old growth forest. And then all of a sudden you just throw in these pear tree, big, big Bradford pears. And like you said, eventually it's, it's a waste of time. And, uh, but I guess pretty for a short time, but yeah, they're, they're, and truth be known, they can be a good tree, but it takes a lot of work from the infancy of that tree to create a good branching structure so that they don't blow apart, right? They're just notorious for included bark, right? And the branching structure is just awful. But if you, you know, if you work on it and work with that tree, I mean, you can have, you know, that tree, you know, 40, 50 years instead of 25. Yeah. Well, let's talk sourwood because that's a really cool native and one that uh, I'm growing in my little forest. And it get, again, introduced to me from a, a, a Davy Arborist. How often is a sourwood going in? Is it something? Because I, I, I would assume that most nor- normal like homeowners are like never heard of a sourwood, but yeah. great little tree. Yeah. Um, we don't get um, a whole lot of requests for sourwoods, um, but, you know, it, a lot of times, you know, uh, homeowners or customers will ask, you know, well, what, you know, what's, give me some different options, you know, and so we'll give them, you know, four or five different options or six and, you know, just, you know, take a look at them online, look at the fall color, look at the branching structure. Is it the right tree for you? You know, um, 
you know, obviously we have, um, we've actually planted sweet gums, <laughs> which I don't know why we do, but sometimes people ask for them. <laughs> but uh, as long as you're not walking around barefoot, that, that is not a bad tree. <laughs> Yeah, let's 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 talk a little bit about sweet gums because it's so funny when you bring that up because again, you know, if you have a sidewalk or a driveway or something, you know, they are a pain, but I know people that love them, but again, boy, talk about right tree right place. Those little how would you explain those little things? They they are these sharp round seed balls, is that what I'm thinking it's called? Yeah, it's the fruit. Yeah, we call them porcupine eggs. Um, you know, not a lot of people in the South know what a porcupine is, but, um, and there, it's kind of a, uh, a Northern thing. Me growing up in Pennsylvania, I knew all about porcupines um, and all my dogs that I've had over the years know what porcupines are <laughs> and usually a trip to the vet. Um, but yeah, sweet gums um, is a fast grower, you know, fairly dense wood, pretty heavy wood. But, the, you know, they're it's crazy as dense as the wood is. You'd think they would hold together a little bit, but we do a lot of uh, pruning for weight reduction on them because when the, those seed balls come off and flush out, it creates a lot of weight and they get really tall. Uh, I mean, you can, you know, guarantee if you plant a sweet gum, it's going to be, you know, in the right spot, you know, 100, 120 feet tall. Um, they do um, make a um, a chemical, uh, it's called snipper. Um, if you have a sweet gum where you can basically inoculate that tree and reduce the fruit production. And you actually can use it on any tree that produces fruit. Um, and we occasionally get that request. Um, you know, is there anything I can do? I love the tree. I don't want to cut it down. How can I reduce the amount of fruit? Is a real finite timing with when that's, in, it's basically injected through caps. Um, and, you know, and based on the size of the tree and, um, and you got to do it right at leaf break. Uh, or bud break of the tree. Um, but I will, I tested it on a tree at my um, house and it uh, worked pretty good, probably reduced the fruit by 80%. But the next year I didn't do it and it came back with a vengeance. So whenever we mention sweet gum, can a black gum grow down there? Oh yeah, we have them. Yeah. Tell me about the black gum. Yeah, so black gum, it does produce a nothing like a sweet gum fruit, um, but and it's got a little bit branching structure, a little bit slower grower than the sweet gum, um, but amazing, amazing fall color. And then you mentioned ironwood, which, again, that's a tree I don't know much about. I have to assume that's a really hard wood with a name like ironwood. <laughs> And you would think like an ironwood tree is like this majestic, huge tree, you know, but it's not. It's an understory tree, similar characteristics of size, like a, a dogwood or a cherry, um, does really well in shade um, and, you know, decent fall color. Um, but we don't get a lot of requests for that. They, they, a lot of times you'll find them uh, in, in more wooded areas, um, you know, like along walking paths or something. If, you know, if you have, um, you know, like an office complex that has a walking trail or something, a lot of times they, 
uh, we'll have iron woods there. So tell me a little bit about how you got into this. Why is this job right for you? So, um, so I have a degree in natural resource management, um, from Georgia Southern and, um, was a collegiate swimmer and I decided that, uh, I was like, I'm going to go into, you know, the swimming field. So anyway, being an outdoorsy person, um, I was like, I need to get out of four walls and, um, saw an ad and this is dating me, um, in the newspaper, (laughs) the one ads and the AJC, uh, said tree climber trainee and had a phone number. And happened to be Arbor Guard. And so I called and went in and I, I stopped at a pay phone to call my um, my wife and um, told her, I was like, I'm quitting my job today and I'm going to work for this tree company. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> well, you dated yourself with the pay phone too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I responded to an ad in the newspaper and I made a phone call from the pay phone. Arbor Guard's the only place we've, um, uh, I've been here 23 years, um, and the only place I've done tree work and it's just been every day is a new and exciting day. You know, trees are a lot like people. They take a lot of, and they need a lot of care and, um, you need a lot of attention. <laughs> and so, uh, just it's every day is a new day and every day is a good day to be outside and in trees and, and like Alex Shigo says, touching them. Well, I'm going to leave it right there, Jonathan. That is great stuff. Thanks for sharing all those really interesting trees. I have to look up that ironwood. I'm interested in that. And I'm sure we'll talk again. Thanks so much for the great information. You're welcome. It was a pleasure to be here. One of the things that's so much fun about hosting the show for me is discovering a new tree. That ironwood might be perfect for my oak forest. We'll see. Now, tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster, and do me a favor. Please subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. We're getting lots of great ideas and feedback through email. Send me a message to podcasts at davy.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at D-A-V-E-Y.com. And as always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.